Thank you for joining the podcast. We are so happy you're here with us today, especially during this time of COVID-19. We hope you are all safe and practicing social distancing and wearing a mask. So before we get started with the podcast, we want to encourage you to subscribe and also to take in this mental health month with us. We will be pushing out as much content as possible via the Dr. Whisperer and other platforms to make sure if you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide, you can reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-TALK. So don't go at it alone. We love you. Well, today is a very special day, everybody, because number one, I am a redhead. It is World Redhead Day. Who knew until my husband texted me this morning on his way to work? listening to the radio. So I wore it for my bravadas who provide amazing wigs for a lot of cancer patients and alopecia and so on. You can look them up yourself because more importantly today, we have Dr. Lisa Henshaw all the way from Long Island, <laughs> New York, where I'm from and grew up. And Lisa happens to be my cousin. So welcome to the show, Dr. Lisa Henshaw. Thank you so much for having me, Sharon. It's so good to see you, and I'm so excited to talk to you today. I could not be more proud of you. And um, yeah, if I talk about that too much, we'll start the show crying, which is <laughs> ironic that I started almost every show that I, I think we're up to, I'm up to like 40 something. But the first few shows, I cried almost in every one because of the emotions of- Of course. Yeah. So um, Lisa and her sister Colleen and her mom and dad, um, Aunt Donna and Uncle Martin, who's my godfather, <laughs> and Lisa's godmother <laughs> is my mother, correct? Yeah. Your parents are my godparents. And Charlie. Your Uncle Charlie is your godfather. And I have to say that in the world of us as a family, um, Uncle Martin, Aunt Donna, Colleen and Lisa supported me so greatly as a woman who was getting sober 25 years ago. You guys used to visit me. I have Colleen's letters that she wrote me with rocket ships. Oh my gosh, that was like, <clears throat> I feel like really one of the first life lessons that I learned so much from you um, and was so inspired by you. Yeah. Well, you guys were so supportive, always still are to this day, knowing that your dad, Uncle Martin, had read my book and we had such a beautiful conversation about mental health and, mm -hmm. and, and then talking about you now being in this field of mental health. Like, I don't know. I think that's like the most awesome thing ever. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm super passionate about it. Um, I feel like it's definitely a calling for me. Um, just, I think growing up in the families that we grew up in, you know, we were always really in these long emotional talks, <laughs> right? If you know our parents, they never get off the phone. We always talk so much. Um, and, you know, just kind of having this transparency about emotions that, um, 
you know, I feel like I was raised to be a social worker in a way, you know, a lot of commitment to service and giving to others and our families. So. Yes. And your sister Colleen is in Italy. Yeah. She's in Bologna. Yes. Um, wonderful teacher, Spanish, now Italian, because you are half Italian and half Irish. And um, just so proud and like, I'm just, I'm just so proud. So, all right, let's, Thank you. how can I focus on business when talking? <laughs> I don't ever get to see, but we're going to do this because yes. you are here for a reason today, um, more than one, but uh, the mental health sector right now is gravely impacted. The doctors that are serving our country and beyond um, the entire globe are being uh, pulled at in ways that we can't even imagine and right. your services as a mental health wonder woman are just so important right now so you and i know that you love to focus on trauma and i want to talk to you a little bit about that later because that's mm -hmm. so important but i just want everybody from your mouth to learn about what it is you do and why you do it well, I'm, so I'm an assistant professor at Yeshiva University in their social work program, which um, that's a huge passion in terms of educating, you know, students to prepare mental health professionals to go into the fields and give them all the tools that they need. Um, so that's, that's definitely a huge piece of my focus. Um, and it also offers me a vehicle to keep doing research to contribute um, to knowledge, you know, in the field to help people be prepared who are going out on the front line. Um, and opportunities for working in, in the community as well to serve different communities through the university partnerships. Um, and then ALMA is the community practice that I'm a part of in New York. Um, they have offices in Midtown and in Brooklyn. Um, and we were just talking about the meaning of soul or heart, which is really beautiful. Um, but the purpose of ALMA as a community practice is amazing. Um, and that was really what, what solidified my interest in becoming um, a practitioner, part of that community, because their primary focus is really on um, increasing, you know, access for individuals in the community to quality mental health care, while simultaneously also kind of helping practitioners to connect and, um, you know, c connect, connect to each other for kind of like support in terms of, you know, so for example, when the offices are open, there's this amazing, you know, kind of community room where I can, we can sit and do work and kind of have a coffee together and talk, you know, like debrief a little bit about any issues. Um, so it's nice to have that connection because a lot of the times when you're in private practice, you're just kind of like isolated on your own. Um, but also to access, you know, your, your, you know, increasing your caseload in ways that um, are effective, you know, to meeting the needs of people in the community. So it kind of works in both directions. Um, which is wonderful for practitioners who are looking to build their private practice in a meaningful way um, and know that they can do it in a place where there's support and a place where, you know, it's client focused still, um, mm -hmm. which can be hard. So I think they do an amazing job of balancing, you know, kind of these like different balls that are in the air. Um, and what we were talking about before, which is like, you know, there's always this massive red tape when it comes to anything in healthcare and especially um, mental health care. Um, and for me, I think it's so hard for people just to admit or say, you know, I, I kind of think I could talk to someone and that might help. 
Um, and then it becomes overwhelming when you have your insurance list or, you know, you're just going onto the internet and you're like, how do I sift through all these different practitioners? Um, when you come across Alma, you know, it kind of narrows it down for you. And I think in a very like user-friendly and just like not intimidating way. Um, and also you can just call and speak to someone, you know, uh, you can send an email and someone will call you back a coordinator to kind of set you up with a practitioner. Um, so it really, I think, relieves that piece for, for individuals who are looking to connect with a therapist. Um, it, it just makes it a little bit more of a supportive process. Yeah, and I looked at the website and it was really, really great. Um, I attended the uh, global Never Alone Summit this weekend. It was a three-day oh, wow. Yeah, and, um, and I was on um, just very early this morning on the, um, the Global Wellness Initiative for the Healthy Built Environment. Okay. So there are so many initiatives that are happening globally that have been happening for quite some time that's kind of coming to the forefront now more than ever. Right. And, um, you know, during the summit, it was all about that, you know, just getting across that you're not alone, that mm -hmm. going and asking for help is not something to be ashamed of. But I also really think that teletherapy has been a great initiative um, because, the, you know, all of that that is in the, the minds of people that have never gone or maybe have heard that it is a sign of weakness you know, not even having to leave your home <laughs> to drive anywhere. You can just do it on your computer is a huge, I would say, um, ease, right? For people now that are coming. I mean, I think there's always, you know, everyone is different, right? So every person is unique. And there's always, I think, a, a, some some chunk of the population that just prefers being in person mm -hmm. um, and I'm part of that population I'm just a very traditional face-to-face -face. but there are a lot of individuals who equally on the other side you know love technology or just even the telephone and don't you know prefer not being face-to-face -face. Um, like I remember when I interviewed client, uh, not clients, participants for my dissertation. I mean, I conducted all the interviews over the telephone. I was shocked that they, you know, they were okay with not even having a video. Um, and the, you know, the, the relationship that I was able to even just professionally build th just through the interview process, I was like, I don't know if it's going to be the same. And it was amazing. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, you know, everyone has different needs and there's certainly a population out there where I think technology definitely meets those needs in teletherapy for certain folks, so. Yeah, and I think that with this pandemic, of course, everybody's gotten to spend a little more time um, with introspection and with, you and I were talking about, you know, your fiance had just gotten back from a bike ride mm -hmm. and you living in Long Island, being close to the boardwalk and having access yeah. to a beach. Um, brings such a, a wonderful release to people that are suffering. So, so what can yeah, you- Yeah, it's a huge piece for trauma in yeah. terms of, you know, <clears throat> the coronavirus as a, as a global pandemic, you know, we would classify it as a shared trauma. You know, it's a traumatic, traumatic event because it's a threat to our physical integrity, um, whether it's directly or indirectly. Um, and there's a lot of different levels of it, um, you know, and one of the ways that we respond to trauma is sometimes by disconnecting, you know, we either go, you either get hyperactivated or hypoactivated. Um, 
And when you're out in nature, you know, the, the technique of kind of grounding, you know, that kind of helps to bring back our disconnection to, you know, the sights and the sense, it's very sensory. So there's something very grounding, I think, for people going outside, you know, touching whatever they're touching leaves or the sand or, you know, just hearing the kind of the voices um, of people or, you know, interacting in nature. Um, it kind of reconnects you, I think, in a different way. Yeah. And I was sharing with you a little bit before we jumped on, because I think, I think we wanted to just stay on Zoom and talk to each other for a good yes. hour. <laughs> we only get to see each other when there's an airplane involved, and there's no <laughs> airplane involved right now. Um, I, you know, when I wrote my book about mental health, I did not, so just to speak a little personally about trauma and how mm -hmm. it really can affect you, I think that um, when we speak from the heart, we touch the heart. And, um, and that was the whole goal about doing the show is how can I be of service to allow other people to see what fantastic healers that are available to them, right. uh, being one of them. Mm. And when I wrote my book, um, you know, because I'm sober for 25 years, I have done all this work on myself for so long, but I'm very solution oriented, right? So the solu all right, so that was then, this was me, right? That was then. I'm good now. Yeah, I blacked out and moved to Detroit and stayed there for two years and nobody knew where I was. Let me introduce you to our super awesome sponsor, Thai Technology. So, just so you know, everybody, fun fact. I used to be a project manager for a telecommunications company in New York City, mm -hmm. back in the day before I started working with doctors. But I have known Thai Technology and I am a family friend of this company. That means I trust them and I trust that you work with them. So, you know, I would never refer anything out that I didn't believe in. They work with um, some of the biggest physician groups across the country. But the best thing is that they're local. They're here in Tampa Bay and they're from New York originally. So there couldn't be any more love than that. So anybody that mentions the Dr. Whisperer podcast or you're a client, you get three months of free service. Oh, check them out. But that was then. Right. Let's move on. <laughs> and that's what I did through all of these years. And I wrote that book, you know, in, a ju in just a few days, locked myself in a space that I knew I'd be safe with uh, nature was inside, you know, a space at the ring at the, the well building I, I do business at. And I probably did not sleep that entire week. I was woken up from what I went through. I Yeah, you were triggered. I was so triggered, Lisa. I'm sorry, Dr. Henshaw. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I really thought it was gone. You know, I think that's actually one of the most deceiving things about trauma. And it's something that I talk about all the time with clients. Um, you know, it's... The amazing thing about human beings is our brain's plasticity, right? But there's something about memory that never, we can never, unless we, you know, had a surgery, which is, we're never going to do that again, lobotomies. But like, you know, there's no way to remove your memory, you know? And it's, it's like, um, I don't know if you've ever read that book, The Body Keeps the Score, you know, trauma is also so neurobiological. Um, but the great thing is about, you know, you revisiting your story, which we were talking about a little bit is like, you know, you're restoring your narrative um, and it's making new neural connections around how you think about, 
you know, that experience. Um, and it cha- it's like it changes it when you process it, you know, when you synthesize it further, which is kind of, you know, the therapeutic aspect of writing, you know, or journaling, or if you were in therapy and you were talking to someone, you know, just bringing it up and letting it out. You know, I, anytime I talk about trauma, I really can't help but talk about loss because they're so interconnected. You know, there's such an ambiguous loss that is, is present, you know, when you are a survivor of trauma, even though maybe physically you didn't lose something, there's something so emotional in your selfhood that shifts on a, on a really monumental level um, that I think unless you're a survivor, you may not, you know, kind of realize that. Um, so, so to me, hearing you say that, it makes complete sense. And I think, you know, looking at the broader picture, right, for the coronavirus right now, I mean, there's, you know, the prevalence of trauma and survivors of, tra- of people who have been exposed to trauma is so, it's so prevalent, you know, mm-hmm. and individuals um, who have histories of trauma are certainly going to be triggered. Um, and even if you've never had an exposure to trauma, you know, you can potentially be triggered. So I think for me, then, then, the number one um, priority um, that you're giving people as a tool is the psychoeducation and recognizing, okay, this is what you know, a trauma response looks like. This is actually a human innate biological response that goes back to like when human beings were cavemen. You know, like we, this is how our bodies are made that we can't change um, and nothing's wrong with you. You're not crazy. This is actually universal. Um, and depending on how your body kind of digests it, right, whether you, you know, um, have flight, fight, or, you know, a freeze response, um, but, but being able to identify it is very empowering um, for people and helps to buffer, you know, that kind of um, isolation that really can come with Mm -hmm. being affected by trauma and feeling like, you know, my safety is being infringed upon, I don't have control, I'm losing power, and Um, you know, I don't know what's going on. So I'm just going to kind of like retract. So when we give tools to kind of understanding, it can help to to work through that to buffer and and facilitate post-traumatic growth. Mm. I just, while you were talking, I'm like veering off thinking about when you and Colleen would come and visit me (laughs) in Long Beach. Oh, those were the best times, our TCBY. I always think about that. Yes. Oh my God. And we used to have these great talks about you know, really kind of, you know, because I was the uh, the elder. <laughs> but you you were like the older, you know, the older sister, older than Colleen, you know, yeah. but also but like was single. This was the, the big conversation. It was like, you know, I was single, but I was dating, you know, I was in my 30s. And, you know, I then I moved to Florida 16 years ago and spent two years alone after going through, a, you know, another mini trauma where, you know, right. my boyfriend had a girlfriend and I had to learn more about, you know, how to be self-reliant and how to realize that it's more about what I am attracting versus anything Sorry. else. They're moving right. a garbage. I don't know if you can hear it. No, we can't hear anything. Okay, good. Yeah. Zoom is amazing. I can't even get over how amazing it is. Um, we love you, Zoom. Thank you. And this is not a sponsored ad. <laughs> So really and truly, like, it is kind of amazing that all of the things that you don't deal with, and this is what I find so fascinating about the work that you get to do, is all of the things that we do not deal with, even all of the things that I 
I thought I dealt with that kind of came back in a little bit. And then I had to start doing more work. I've done more work since I released the book than I've done in years. Yeah. Years, really just soul searching, spending more time. I start. I start but I think it's interesting because something inside of you yeah. wanted to cathartize that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was, and I think that that's kind of, it's challenging because the nature of trauma is kind of insidious. And part of that is sociocultural because we don't talk about things that are bad. You know, we don't talk about death. We don't talk, you know, traumatic events are so extraordinary that people can't wrap their heads around them. It's no, it's, you know, it's, it's out of the ordinary. Like you can't imagine someone hurting someone that way or, or having that experience. So then it just becomes a silence um, and, and this kind of like taboo topic. Um, and when we, you know, when we start to think about our experiences or talk about them, it can feel safer to just push them back down, right? If you don't really know the way that it works where the releasing can actually, even though it's really hard, you got to do the work and, and learn how to manage that gray, you know, discomfort of those feelings are just really feeling bad, but they're going to, it's going to, that feeling is going to pass. Right. Yeah. Um, but it can, because it's so deceiving, it's like, Oh, this feels horrible to talk about. I'm just going to keep pushing it down. Like some people really keep it hidden inside of them for years and years and years. And it doesn't only create, you know, psychological issues, but it's a very biopsychosocial work. Yeah. Um, biologically, the physical health issues in terms of how your nervous system um, processes, yeah. uh, you know, it just, my immediate connection then goes to, I don't know if you are familiar with the adverse childhood ex experiences study, where, you know, we know that survivors of adverse childhood experiences are going to have more chronic health issues and, you know, just not, not live as long. So, Yes. It's a, direct, it's a direct dose relationship. Oh, absolutely. And everything that affects us mentally mm -hmm. is bound to affect us physically. I was thinking um, recently, I was having a conversation with somebody, uh, a doctor actually, and I, I talked about, so I started doing preventative therapy is what I'm calling it now. I'm trying myself to put my own, you know, it's okay. You don't even have to be in a lot of pain to actually right. care about your mental health. You know, mm -hmm. you should be proactive. And the fact that I started doing it before um, the coronavirus, see, the timing was right. Yeah. <laughs> Talking to this doctor about how I remember being in Long Beach in New York, and it was a relationship thing. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go see a therapist. I sat down. The therapist was like, all right, I want to hear about your history. So I told the story of my, you know, I drank, I blacked out, I moved to Michigan, and all this stuff. Stayed there two and a half years. And when I was done, she said, you just told me what happened to you, like you read a grocery list. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, not uncommon. Yeah, I was like, well, that's, but that's not why I'm here. <laughs> you know, almost like I'm, I'm going to help you, therapist lady. You know, I'm here because of the relationship I'm in. I've dealt with, I'm good. And now looking back, how I could see that so clearly that all the things that I did mm -hmm. not go through, I ended up repeating in other areas of life. Right. Right. And that was great that she pointed that out to you. you should, I mean, that's what you want. You know, we want someone who can recognize that for us in, in a therapist, um, you know, and it's just so important to, to do the work. I mean, I'm a therapist. I have my own therapist. You know, I support therapy across the board um, just in terms of, like you're saying, it's a, it's a holistic total approach of taking care of yourself. 
um, and really practicing what we preach, right? I can't teach my students and work with clients if I'm not um, taking care of myself, you know, and just saying, well, I'm immune. <laughs> right? As what is your practice, Dr. Henshaw? I would love to hear what your practice is. What do you mean in terms your of wellness practice? Oh, well, like, I'm, well, definitely therapy, um, connecting and right now, you know, making sure that I'm connecting with others and not, um, falling into any type of isolation, <laughs> um, exercise a hundred percent. Um, I feel a huge, huge, um, coping in that. And that's, that's also lifelong for me. So that's something that's kind of built in from, you know, I, I kind of know I can rely on it. It's something that's very safe and comforting for me. Um, nature, we've been going on hikes. So like I was saying before that grounding of kind of being in nature, um, and just knowing that there's something bigger than me and what's going on, you know, that's very helpful. Um, I, I work with a nutritionist, um, you know, for, for whatever physical health, you know, challenges I have myself, um, just to, to be mindful of, you know, how I'm treating my body and just trying to treat it right. Um, would you say um, karaoke? <laughs> Family. Is I knew you were going to bring that up. I mean, definitely music is a huge um, piece of my life and everything I do, I feel like. Um, that's, that's definitely a, it's like a support. <laughs> yes, not um, everybody out there will know that Dr. Henshaw is actually a very good singer, so. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. It's the um, and then also, you know, I, I find a lot of meaning in my work, you know, um, but balance is huge, you know, because there's just never ending need. So I think, I, you know, my priority is balancing, you know, I, I love my work, but also carving out time for, you know, decompressing um, and making sure that I'm committing to that and, and trying my best to do it. And, you know, forgiving myself if I don't, not, you know, not, not being too hard on myself. Good for you, cuz. <laughs> Good for you, Dr. Henshaw. Well, I couldn't be more proud of the work that you're doing. I, you know, as a child, always wanted to be a therapist. Mom and dad called me, uh, dear Abby. And then I realized how much schooling it would require. And I left that to you. <laughs> I happily accept. Yes. And you did it. And um, I'm so proud of you. And I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing because God knows in New York, especially being one of the hardest hit, um, you know, these healers and these first responders and these everyday people working at the grocery store. I guess there's no such thing as food town anymore in New York. <laughs> what is it now? Uh, you know, there's, there's still King Cullen and Pathmark. Oh, Pathmark. I think Pathmark is still there. Is, you know, I don't know. That was dead. Stop and shop. Stop and shop. I still say food town sometimes when I'm going to go to Publix. I'm like, I'll be right back. I'm going to food town. <laughs> Rob is like, you left. The town was the best. Wasn't it? I left uh, New York a long time ago, but it's always in my heart. And I'm really proud of you. I love you. Um, we might as well just tell everybody that uh, if you don't get me when I hear the word Sharon, I will uh, respond to I, I. Yep. Only from Lisa <laughs> and Colleen and Uncle Martin and Aunt Donna. So yes. I love you so much. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I love you too. Thank you.
Don't forget to check out Thai Technology. Anyone that mentions this podcast or the Facebook show will receive three free months of service. T-I-E Technology. Check them out.